Welcome into Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here with my guy, Mike Renner, ready to rip it up following NFL Week 10, College Football Week 11. Going to do some review here of rookies, prospects, and some second-year players. I have some takes on Daniel Jones, and I need to get them out. Anyway, we're also going to do a rolling rook segment, looking at our highest-performing rookies from the previous week, raise a glass to the top-performing prospects, and in our blackout segment, have, I think, one or two names that just had performances you do not want to see again. And then to finish the podcast, we're going to do biggest risers and fallers on PFF's latest 2021 NFL draft big board, which is live right now on PFF.com. Let's get it. Renner back in studio here in the Cincinnati offices. Gotta love Queen City this time of year. The weather just chef's kiss, like very comparable to San Diego, LA. <laughs> that, that, it's some of my favorite weather. Um, but I had to it has this- been really nice fall though. Weather it has. I mean, you'll, you'll look ahead to the weekend. It's like oh, only fifties. Can't yeah. wait. That's Stoked. like that's if it's felt like football season all of football season. Yes, which is great. I have to bring this up, man. You have a girlfriend now. I do. You have a girlfriend. Mike Renner, the entire city of Cincinnati, at least half of it, all the females, shed a single tear today because Mike Renner, the former Bachelorette contestant, now has a girlfriend, and it's going well. Well, I mean, I, I would hope so. I just get a girlfriend. <laughs> You're in the honeymoon phase. Poorly, that would be that would be pretty rough start. But now it's going well. Yeah, good for you, man. I know. Absolutely Thank good you. for you. Wait, I have uh, for podcast listeners something else really exciting. We are going to introduce the man behind the mics. The man behind the audio experience Literally. is the podcast. Or it is his yeah. name is Mike. Yeah, it's producer Mike Quinn. Quinn, we are going to start bringing you on the podcast more and more, and you're going to just add some flavor, some much needed personality to this podcast because we don't have enough of it. It me, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if like bringing me on the pod is going to like up the energy level or like be super exciting because I'm a pretty laid back guy, monotone guy, as you can tell by my voice. But uh, I mean, I'll I'll give it a go. I I think. We don't need any more energy. Austin brings enough energy. I think that's a good balance. Yeah, you right balance there. us out. You balance us okay. out. And I was gonna, I was gonna ask Renner a highlight from the weekend before we get into things, but I'm gonna ask you instead. Give me a highlight from your weekend. Yeah. So we were talking about this before the pod, and I, it's, I, I didn't really want to bring it up, but you're like, oh, you should tell because it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's topical. I, uh, I, I accidentally got pretty bombed watching the Bengals game yesterday. Which, if anybody <laughs> else watched the Bengals game yesterday, they probably were in the same boat, but. It, it kind of works for this pod because, like, it's a draft podcast. And if you're a fan of a perennially bad team, like I am, sometimes you get bombed and you got to keep an eye on the draft. So, like, it works out. That's why I like this podcast because now I'm, like, always up on, like, oh, it's, you know, we're halfway through the season, but, like, the Bengals are out of it. They've been out of it. So, like, <laughs> now, like, I know who I should be watching. I know who I should be uh, keeping an eye on moving forward because uh, it's not it's not it's not a good season. That does that did seem like an easy accident to make given that game yesterday. That was just like yeah. It, well, the Cincinnati it, Bengals it also bad. got accidentally bombed. Yeah, know? I was gonna say I was watching <laughs> with some Bengals fans and they're just like, "This is the Ravens game all over again. This just sucks." Like they're just not hard ready to, watch, to compete man. with teams like that. Unfortunately, highlight from my weekend. I have to tell this story. Oh, yeah, I went on my I went on my first virtual date. Ever. Oh it was absolutely horrendous. Yeah. It was absolutely horrendous. I could have told you that. Could have never I will never do it again. But there is a highlight from it. I, I I don't know why I agreed to it. I I, I do it. I you know, I haven't done this yet. It could be a good story. And it turned out being one. 
we play 21 questions. She originally suggested that we watch a movie together and text about it. I'd rather die. So I, I, we pivot to 21 questions. Her first question. So I lead. I say, like, what, why are you in the line of work you're in or whatever? She asks this long-winded answer. Her first question. It says, what is your rising sign? I don't oh, even know what the hell no, that means. Dude. What? Astrology I was like, uh, do you a, mean like a, a horoscope? Flag. I was yes. like, I, I was born in May. I don't even know what freaking sign that is. She's like, no, your rising sign. Like what time of, of the freaking day were you born? And I said, I have no idea. She's like, do you have your birth certificate? And I was like, no. Well, maybe your dad does. I'm not, what is going on right here? This is not what I want to get into. And um, the, the date just was completely derailed from oh, then. I was, dude, it was a deal breaker. One of my yeah. exes wanted to know the time, exact time I was born. I was like, I, I don't care. I'm just like, that's when I knew it. I just should have known that it was not. Dude, later in the day, I say something. She's like, oh, wow, you're a planner. I'm really into planners because I'm a Capricorn. I was like, no, you're, in, you're, you're high. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, Dude, yeah, if you think when yeah. you were born has any determination on your personality, you are in a bad place. All right, I have a story as well. Okay. It's not, not as good as yours, but I went out. I got caught up in the match. So I decided to go out golfing Saturday morning. I was visiting my parents down in Orlando. And I go to this course and they don't tell me that they haven't been able to cut the grass for two weeks. And so the fairways are like three inches long. On the second hole, I hit one straight down the pipe, and I lose my ball in the fairway because the grass is so long. I just walked off the course. I'm like, I'm not about to play this. And I got a rain check. And I thought that was the most ridiculous thing that they didn't even tell me that they couldn't cut the grass. I have a confession. I've never golfed before, so I don't really understand the... <laughs> I don't, you don't even understand what that I means? I mean, three okay. inches long is sounds tall for golfing because yeah. it's supposed to be like really short, yes. right? Yes. I've mini golf before. Like losing a ball in the fairway is one of the craziest things that's probably ever happened to me on a golf course. So. Wow. Good for you. Well, it sounds better than my freaking virtual date. I'll tell you that right now. Well, let's go ahead and get into the pod here. We had to give some backstory. Welcome producer Mike Quinn onto the podcast, Cincinnati Faithful here. Uh, I wanted to start with talking about some second-year players from this previous week. Daniel Jones had a good game. Jacoby Myers, the New England Patriots. Deontay Johnson put on a little bit of a show. Uh, two, the two Michigan edge defenders from the 2019 class, Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary, both played well. I'm starting with this take, Mike, and I need your reactions. Don't look now. Daniel Jones of the New York Giants is the 11th graded passer and 11th graded overall quarterback, according to PFF. I am willing to comfortably say he's one of the most improved quarterbacks year over year from 2019 to 2020, and he's done enough in a very bad NFC East to avoid being usurped this offseason by someone getting drafted or adding someone free agency. Because to start this season, I think there were some parts of me or a lot of me that were saying, oh, they're playing right in the Justin Fields. Do the uh, the jersey swap of Justin Fields in a New York Giants jersey because they're well on their way. Now, mm -hmm. of late... I think he's going to be the starting quarterback in 2021 and have another opportunity to improve on what he's already done to try and be the quarterback of the New York Giants. So my my take on that is it depends on where you are. Or if you're first, second, third, and you got a chance at a Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, you take that guy. Like yes. you go, you go. That's a better prospect objectively than Daniel Jones was coming out, and you take that chance. Daniel Jones has not done enough for me to take that. But if you're in the middle of the first round and you're staring at maybe like Mac. Jones like I'll, I'll take Daniel Jones like mm -hmm. I, I'll stick with him and let him develop maybe try a uh, flyer on a guy later on because obviously you still want to address until you know you have that guy but again it, the conversation with me is more if you have a chance at an elite true franchise quarterback type of prospect you take that chance similar to kind of like the Reds the Washington football team last year I guess they were technically the Redskins at the time so I could say that but the Washington football team <laughs> during the draft uh you, you should have taken that chance. Like they should have taken Justin Herbert, maybe to a Tagovailoa in retrospect, mm -hmm. given what we know now. So that's that's my take on it. I'm still not buying the Daniel Jones, whatever. Like the, I, I'm still worried about the high end, and mm -hmm. I think that's 
with where we're at in the NFL, there's a lot of guys who can be the 11th to 25th graded quarterback in the NFL. Like there's this, like that tier of the Matt Staffords of the world, the Kirk Cousins of the world is massive. You can find guys like that. Like Jameis Winston's probably in that tier right now and he's a backup. You can find those guys to me that can operate that offense at the level Daniel Jones is operating that offense right now. It's the special guys that, you know, the, like I said, the Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence's of the world, what they could be in the NFL that really move the needle. So that's why, that's how I feel about the Daniel Jones situation. So I feel the same exact way that if they're okay. drafting inside the top three or have an opportunity at one of those top three quarterbacks to do it, but they're not going to, okay. there's a chance to win the NFC East. And then they go to the playoffs. They're immediately drafting outside the top 16. And Daniel Jones is now playing for the New York Giants to a point where they're starting to consider, do they want to give him a second contract? Whether or not that just puts them in purgatory for the next two to three years is still up for debate, but one of the more improved quarterbacks and guy who's really earning his starting job in New York in 2021. This was his first game, though, all season long that he averaged over seven yards per attempt. <laughs> just think about that. He also has the rushing floor now. He's like a, you know, he's, yeah. he's running the football he really is, well. Uh, he can, he can, that could scoot. Like that guy, when he's out in the open field, Dude, he's, he's beating angles out there. Yeah. So, that is a, a legitimate value add to that offense. But I'm just saying, as a passer, I just worry about the high end mm-hmm. with him. Like, he's never shown the high end ever on a consistent basis. I mean, the high end was that long run that he fell <laughs> on the way. That was, like, probably the high end play for Daniel Jones. Um, I'll bring up this as well before we jump from the second-year players. I wanted to mention um, Chase Winovich is doing everything for Bill Belichick's defense. He's playing some off-ball linebacker. He's running on the edge in coverage. and He's playing really well, very consistent against the run, ha- can win with speed, can bend the edge on the corner. And I think he, did, he he beat both the left and right tackles for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night multiple times as a pass rusher. Really impressive stuff. But And we talked about Chase Winovich being you know the better Michigan edge defender in that 2019 class. Rashawn Gary earned the highest the single game. game PFF pass rushing grade of his young career, seven total pressures um, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Still, still, you're not seeing a complex array of moves from Rashawn Gary. Bull rushed Juwan Taylor twice, got uh, beat him to That's the edge it. as well, and same with Cam Robinson. It, it was comfortably his best game, an encouraging sign for the former first rounder. Yeah, because that's what he has to do. Like he has to dev- be a bull rusher at the NFL level. He's not. He's just not flexible. Like he's not going to win the edge. Kind of like Jadavian Clowney in that regard. Where Clowney, the amount of times he gets to the edge, and he was very limited over the course of a full season on the as an edge rusher. But his inside moves, his bull rush, like that, just that level of explosiveness at that size is rare, and that can get you in a favorable position a lot of times. It's just developing the technique on the ball rush, being able to sink consistently into it that he has yet to perfect. So it's a matter of time seeing him do it, albeit against, you know, Juwan Taylor, who has struggled at times this year, is very encouraging. So I, I think that was easily his best game as a pro. Another conversation I wanted to get into was the Jacoby Myers conversation. Some mm-hmm. people, I mean, he's taken over in New England. His target share, I think, is over 30% over the past three weeks. <laughs> he is getting months. fed the yeah. football with Cam Newton there. And I think, I, and we talked about this before the podcast, the ideal slot receiver in the NFL is a very good true number one that plays in the slot because you have other good receivers. You know, a guy that can run, you know, run the slot wheel, run the slot fade, win with speed, threaten the defense, those types of things. I think that tier two slot receiver, is the guy that maybe isn't super fast, isn't super quick, but very smart, very savvy, and gets open against off coverage and zone concepts. Because Jacoby Myers, a handful of times, had option routes in that game, and Cam Newton fed him the football to move the chains. He's a chain mover in that offense. I still don't think he's an elite separator. Even coming out of NC State, my my uh, pr- 
NFL player comp was J- Jason Avant, a guy that was just never, never going to be an elite separator on the outside, but a guy who can work from the slot, catches every single thing thrown his way, even good in contested catch situations. I think they found a nice piece there. I mean, maybe a replacement to Julian Edelman, who's now 34 years old. He'll never probably be what Julian Edelman was for this team, but a nice weapon to have in the slot. They still, however, need Demir Bird. Nikhil Harry, some guy with juice mm. to to step up and threaten downfield for this team. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think ideally nowadays you want some guy that's fast from the slot. Like you want the Tyree Kills of the world, the KJ Hammers of the world. That's what the slot receiver should look like in your offense nowadays if you're really going to be an explosive offense. But again, if you don't have one of those, a guy that can get home consistently, and he's kind of Jacoby Myers, Tyler Johnson coming out, are those type of slot receivers where underneath route tree, intermediate route tree you feel really good about them getting open you feel good about their ball skills you feel good about the their catch radius and, and i think that is kind of the like you said the tier two of slot receivers in the nfl i, I mean i remember we've talked about this before build your receiving core like a basketball team i think that's the poor man's approach to building a receiving core and if you want mm-hmm. the poor man's approach to building a receiving core an undrafted guy like jacoby myers out of nc state is how I'll you fly. do it because yeah. he it, it can help you add uh, weapons other places all right the other thing I wanted to get into before our rolling rooks raise a glass blackout segments was rookie running backs in the NFL so many were drafted in the first three rounds mm-hmm. we were surprised at the run that there were on uh, the run on rookie running backs in the late first round starting with Clyde Edwards Hilaire then into the second round with DeAndre Swift Jonathan Taylor Cam Akers uh, AJ Dillon for the Green Bay Packers who right now is the best rookie running back now 10 weeks into the NFL season who would you take first in hindsight so we had Obviously, I, I think, and the way we ranked them coming out was we had, uh, gosh, what am I blanking right here? We had DeAndre Swift, number one, and I don't think I would change that after what I saw this past week. Like he was excellent. This is his first week. career yeah, start, really. Actually, after the body finally too, got right? playing time. Uh, finally, you know, Adrian Peterson's finally on the downside <laughs> of his career. Apparently, they realized that and decided. Dude, to get they were DeAndre running Adrian Peterson at an absurd rate to start the season. Oh, I just can't even people are like you don't know shit you don't work for a team I'm not going to give Adrian Peterson 30 carries in the game also when he's sorry years old. I'm but, sorry yeah <laughs> uh but yeah DeAndre Swift I mean he looks good like out in space he's explosive his cuts on a dime like he'll he'll break tackles without the guy ever even getting a tackle attempt in space because he's that you know he's just that shifty and he's that explosive out of his cut so I'd still lean with him and then number two honestly it's Antonio Gibson to me Mm-hmm. I think his level of athleticism with his size and shiftiness and his receiving ability, that's number two for me. And that, and that's the, to me, that's the crazy thing about, you know, all these teams going with all these running backs early on in the draft. We had, what was it? Six, seven guys drafted in the first three rounds this year. And then all of a sudden James Robinson's the most productive one, the UDFA. You can't really tell me there's that big of a difference right now between James Robinson and Clyde Edwards Hilaire in terms of their talent level. You, you just can't because mm-hmm. James Robinson's been that good. He was that athletic coming out. Yes, he went to Illinois State. You just didn't see him in an offense that was anything like what you saw Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at LSU. And I, even Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you didn't see him in an offense the year before. He was unproductive the year before when you didn't see him in that you know favorable situation. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this running back class, I had high hopes for it, but it's kind of fallen flat on its face. you got only a couple guys right now on pace for 1,000 yards, and one of them's 
said the UDFA and James Robinson. Uh, here's a take too. Everyone said, well, if you're an offense, that's a piece away, like a running back away. It makes yeah. sense. I, that argument is garbage. It is that is not a uh, good Jonathan argument. Taylor is looking great for the Colts. I, right? I, well, yeah. Clyde Edwards Lair, even for the Kansas City Chiefs, I yeah. wouldn't even put inside the top five, top 10 players that's making them one yeah. of the best teams in football, if not the best team in football. Like they weren't one of those teams that was the exception to the rule that like, well, since they are the Chiefs and they have everything, might as well take a running back at 32 overall. My take is that, you know, Antonio Gibson and DeAndre Swift, I think you're right to say that those are the two best coming out. And before we move off this conversation, why are they making J.D. McKissick a thing in Washington? <laughs> Dude has 28 targets over the past two games. 28 targets over the past two games, which has led over to just a little over 100 yards. That's Alex Smith, though. You know? But why isn't Antonio Gibson getting those touches? Why is why, J.D. McKissick, 27 years old, out of Arkansas State, drafted in 2016? No, wasn't drafted. Undrafted free agent in 2016 is getting 28 targets in two games. You need to have a conversation. We, we, we need to self-scout a little bit. This is probably not a useful – because 28 targets in two games, like that's a decent amount of the plays you run. Like You only run, what, like 60 offensive plays a game, maybe less? Like it, It's interesting to see how much they're using J.D. McKissick, but – I don't think I take any of these running backs as good as Gibson has been, as good as Swift has been inside the first two rounds. If I redraft it, it doesn't make sense. When you see Mike Davis, DJ Dallas, James Robinson, these other guys that are having success in the NFL, it just again and again does not make sense to spend high draft capital on running backs. All right, let's re-rank the top five right now running backs that you would go. I, I think one, DeAndre Swift. Two, Antonio Gibson. Three at this point, I really like Cam Dobbins. Acres. Dobbins has looked good. Dobbins has. He was in the best situation to look good in terms of just like you're going to get space in that offense. I thought Cam Akers was the better prospect coming out. I think I'll leave Cam Akers there. Then probably Dobbins. Uh, and then probably Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like I was, I was never that high on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming out. I think he's just good, not great. Like you can just, like I said, like James Robinson, you can't tell me there's a big difference between James Robinson and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire right now. It, just, and you can't tell me that. That's the story of the situation. Like you just, it does not make sense. The one, the, the one that really, though, like I said, has fallen flat. Jonathan Taylor looks that that should have been a good situation for him. You thought like that, seemingly the stars aligned in terms of where he went with that offensive line and the scheme they run. The fact that he looks bad right out the gate. We already talked about this, but that that one is the most concerning one to me. All right, let's jump to our Rolling Rook segment here. NFL Week Ten is in the books. Number one from this past week, Tristan Wirfs. Yes, Tristan Wirfs, again, excellent. No reason to no reason to move him outside of like the number one tackle spot in this rookie class. Like he just keeps getting it done week after week. Only two pressures on the day against Carolina. 89.8 run blocking grade. He had one base block against Brian Burns. They didn't go head to head a lot because uh it's just the way they kind of it's set up there with a lot of tight ends on his side. But they went one on one one time and he just took him like three yards off the line of scrimmage mano a mano that was a big big mismatch and just worse man he's he looks like he's one of the steals of the draft even though he was what pick 13 mm-hmm. ridiculous if you're redrafting uh in 2020 at the offensive tackle position you are going tristan worse number one overall i mean not number one overall but the first tackle off the board and sprinting the card in after what we've seen through 10 weeks yeah i mean you're redrafting he might go what fourth if you redraft in this this year, yeah. like he'd go top five. I don't, I'm trying to think of who you would really take. Like if, 
besides the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. who are you taking over Tristan Wirfs in this rookie class? Chase Young probably still, but even then, that one's like kind of closer because you you know Tristan Wirfs is a dude right now. Yeah, and, and talking to Tristan Wirfs too, and because I don't think we made enough of this, you know, because he is this freakish athlete, and this guy was like breaking, literally breaking uh-huh. records at the combine, but. Dude had a really good head on his shoulders. Everyone raved about him coming out. Coaches loved him. Players loved him. He was a very smart kid. Wanted to improve. Diet was very good. Like he had all. He was checking every single box. Yeah. Why do you think it was in the end why we had Tristan Wirfs behind Andrew Thomas and, and others? Well, was Tristan Wirfs too? Was Tristan? Yeah, Wirfs? Tristan Wirfs was too. Mm-hmm. It was second, our second rank tackle behind Andrew Thomas. Thomas just more agile. Mm-hmm. I thought was the biggest thing to me. Like Thomas himself was a somewhat freaky athlete. Like he had yeah. all the physical tools. Kind of splitting hairs at that point. Uh, Thomas is obviously not developed technically whatsoever, but Wirfs and that power is really on another level than even anyone else. I mean, Mackay Beckton also, but like then just normal tackles translating from college to pro. You really see it game after game. All right. Bravion Roy, number two here, your guy out of Baylor, one of your sleepers in the 2020 draft put on an absolute show this past week. I had a, I had a crack up. So he blocked, I think an extra point in this one Mm -hmm. and he has 30 (laughs) and one eighth inch arms. Like he has tiny like mm-hmm. they don't bend even like because his arms are so big <laughs> he doesn't have elbows looks like uh looks like that wood pirate from family guy where it just like <laughs> sticks straight out or something and he blocks he gets one hand up and blocked a kick uh that one cracked me up but he i mean he looks like a like a complete all-around nose tackle that you'd want in the nfl he's the 120th player on the board went in the sixth round because of that lack of arm length, but it really like doesn't show up. He almost chased down Leonard Fournette from mm-hmm. behind yeah. in that game. He was flying, so he looks like I think it was a good. He's a good compliment to Brown. Derek Brown. Yeah, I think him and Derek Brown are going to be starters there for a while for them. I, I think that's going to be a good quality starting duo. There was one time, there was one block in the game where he's getting double teamed. You could tell like he was getting pushed off the ball a little bit. But in these one on one situations, even against the run or as a pass rusher, he was winning a lot this past week. I yep. mean, he popped off the tape. And I thought with the short arms, you'd see it on the field. But this dude's a little bit of a hoss, man. Like he was in the middle there and very much looked apart. The NFL is not too big for Bravion Roy. Number three on Rolling Rooks this past week was the guy we already mentioned, DeAndre Swift. The hurdle was awesome. awesome. I thought, too, one of the bigger things I wrote in my notes for Swift this past week varies his speeds very very well and he is very quick out of his breaks i don't yes. know if, what it was but coming out of the bye this guy i mean he looks like a, a, a much better player and uh, i'm not saying he wasn't good in the early weeks but he ran with more confidence varied the speeds really well was forcing his tackles in the open field like we really haven't seen i thought he set up the screen really well with the fake pass protection and rolled to the screen like he had a very very good first nfl start for deandre swift yeah the fact that this was his first nfl start is just absurd to me well you, was, when you have awesome. adrian peterson you have to run him into the ground yeah. like you have to get the last few carries you can and the thing that was the reason why he was number one on our board at running back and he showed it in this one. The whip route against John Bostic looked like a wide receiver running a whip route. Like mm-hmm. he, that was, there was no sort of like he scored on jerkiness play. whatsoever. Yeah. And he scored a touchdown like, because he had the ability to run routes like a wide receiver, did it at Georgia. Now he's doing the NFL, has not been utilized as such enough, in my humble opinion. But I think they're coming to their senses and they're winning some games now because of it. Number four on the list is Jedrick Wills Jr., the left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, former Alabama prospect. Look, looked good in this game as well. He's been consistent. This yep. offensive tackle class, we said, was very good. Tristan Wirfs has played well. Jedrick Wills has played well. Andrew Thomas has not played well. Uh, but uh, the, even Mikai Becton, when healthy, yeah, has all played right well. Game this past week, all right game this past week. But Jedrick Wills, another good game for him. Yeah, Wills, second straight week without a pressure allowed. Now, they didn't pass a ton. Weather was bad. but And he's going up against some Houston Texans edge defenders that 
not the best competition, but he can only block who's in front of you. So he was, again, like he looks like he's hit the ground running in pass protection. The worry with me, though, dude has eight penalties already. Uh, we may have heard through the grapevine on him coming out that he wasn't Sharp's tool in the shed. That might be an issue with him. Eight penalties, a little worrisome. That needs to get cleaned up at this point. That's the, he'll, he'll clean that up. Yeah. He'll clean it up. That's experience, man. I don't care if he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Neither am I. Okay, he's cleaning that up down the road. Number five on this list, Kyle Duggar. He showed up in this game, and it was a tough game to watch with the torrential downpour. Yeah. And going against the Baltimore Ravens offense, you're going to have to play some creative concepts, and guys have to step up, specifically against the run. Five defensive stops, 12 combined tackles. Looks very, very good against Baltimore. Yeah, man, you see that. So uh, his biggest thing was what? He had the highest vertical, longest broad jump, and the biggest wingspan of any DB. He was built in a lap. You just see him out in space engulf, you know, ball carry. Like, he's such a good tackler on the season. 28 tackle attempts, one missed tackle. Mm -hmm. He's just so good out in space, wrapping guys up. Uh, You saw in this one, five stops, and just like that level of explosiveness. Took on a lead blocker in the box. I I think he's honestly, like, I think he should – a linebacker now obviously they kind of use, they use him as strong safety in that defense basically utilized as a linebacker but around the line of scrimmage man i i'd be really excited about this guy if i'm pats fan you you said that going into the draft though that yeah. kyle duggar playing in the box at the next level and kind of a linebacker role is the way to go um all right let's pivot now to college football and raise a glass to some of the you know prospect performances from this past week kyle trask has been one of the highest graded quarterbacks in college football over the past two or three weeks and turned in another really good performance in the Felipe Franks revenge game oh. against Arkansas. It wasn't much of a revenge game. I mean, they dominated. But uh, Kyle Trask, I put my, there was two throws that I had in my notes here. Let me scroll through these. Um, the first one the was – I'm sorry? The point throw. The point throw? Or Which he, one's he that? He had a seam route, and he points to the corner, and then he threw it to the corner. Oh, I don't know if you I saw see the that one. I, maybe I didn't see that touchdown. one. I yeah. saw the one on the flea flicker gets dropped. He scoops it up mm-hmm. and just drops a dime deep down the field to the guy who's open. And then the other one was to Justin Shorter in the corner. That yeah. was uh, that was a nice throw. The drop flea flicker was sweet because he's falling away, and he got it 50 yards in Dude, he, that is arm talent and a half. Dude, yeah. dude was, that was one of the more absurd, arm, uh, absurd throws of the weekend. Yeah. I, I think... He, he's kind of gotten lost in the because because uh god what's his face the name that i'm zach wilson. Out. zach wilson has been you know lighting it up he's the darling of the class but cal trask like that arm strength his size is obviously gonna get some gems a little tight in the pants mm-hmm. uh, same yeah and i, I think like this I is will- the way he's playing right now you'd be hard pressed to keep him out of the first round like this is he has that first round type of talent and everyone and their mother wants that wants that big arm i do i definitely do (laughs) my mom does too actually (laughs) um but i all you need is that miles per hour on the ball at combine and we're gonna get everyone's gonna get a little bit excited i'm starting to get interested and also i love how much they (laughs) i love and hate how much they try and run the football with him he is a he is not a super athletic quarterback but he's a he's a big dude he's built he's built pretty well there and he he bullied some kids in the the run game a little bit against arkansas uh next name on this list so my favorite tape of the weekend i I watched this front to back and back to front my mom was watching with me as well elijah vera tucker versus arizona i put my notes here i am still looking for an arizona defender interested in even testing this guy uh and trying to beat his block he was dominating the first level and at the second level put multiple people he drove one dude out of the back of the end zone on like this run i mean he was he was in his bag playing left tackle for usc yes and so for me to say something nice about a usc player you you know he's got yeah like you know he's going to be pretty damn good this was 
the best tape maybe I've seen from an offensive lineman in college football all year. Mm-hmm. It was the level would, of dominance <laughs> was just he just didn't lose, man. The guy plays so under control. Is now playing left tackle after playing left guard last season, or was he right? Guard? He was playing guard last season, and honestly, like he's that was first round type tape. After two weeks, hasn't allowed single pressures, grading over ninety. I, I think he's playing his way into the first round. This dude was going to opt out too. He was an opt out coming back to school. It's probably going to be a day two guy, maybe like a third rounder. I honestly think this is he's going to be a first rounder. He might end up as our top interior offensive lineman if that's where I think that's probably still where he ends up in the NFL level, but. He's very damn good, and I can't believe he didn't start until last year. It's a crazy thing. Yeah, man, that that tape. I like I like what you said there. Best college football offensive line tape you've seen all year in first round tape. That's for sure. All right, third guy on the list, and we're gonna bring in Quinn for this one. A Cincinnati alumnus, University of Cincinnati alumnus, Maje Sanders, former three star recruit that is built. He looks like a power forward. Like his arms are really long. He's very he's thinly built. Quinn. Before we dive into the specifics here, Maje Sanders, how excited are you are you for him in Cincinnati? Yeah, so he's like, like obviously, like if you watched any Bearcats football, he like the defense is is very very good. Like one of the, I mean, at least Cincinnati, like one of the better defenses they've probably ever had, maybe the best defense they've ever had. And he like he stands out on that defense. Like so uh, on a defense where they, I mean, they have like stars. Like they got Sauce Gardner, they got James Wiggins, who's who's hurt now. I mean, they got like dudes that have like legit NFL talent and like legit playmaking. Kobe Bryant, I forgot about him. Like he stands out. And, I mean, and, I mean, that's like like I I think that kind of sums up. I mean, obviously, you guys like dive into more of the the you know how that's going to translate to the next level. But like you know, if we're talking just you know raise a glass to some college prospects, I mean, like it's it's kind of becoming like a week in week out thing with him. I mean, dude, I I love when you turn on Group of Five tape and you immediately know who you're looking for. Like, oh, my Jay Sanders is grading well. I'm going to turn on his tape. Holy shit, there he is. He's right there. He's got yeah. really long arms, really well built. I had to double check that he was a three-star recruit because he really stands out on tape. Five total pressures this, or four total pressures this past week against a very bad, let's remind everyone, a very bad East Carolina team. There are a handful of plays where he's playing against inside against the guards and wins within a half second of the snap. And that's when you know you're just going against garbage competition. MyJ Sanders, though, I think a name to watch. He's got the size. I think he has the, some juice off the snap, length. Where are you with MyJ Sanders right now? Yeah, so last year... 32 pressures, 82.8 pass rushing grade. This year already, 30 pressures, 91.1 pass rushing grade. I think he's, you know, gotten filled out in his frame. Like you see him look more explosive this season than he did last season. I, I think he's a guy who's kind of only just scratching the surface, even though he's already been so productive with that grade. I think he's moving. He wasn't in our initial top 100 this year. I think he's moving up into that for sure. And there's been a lot of guys in this edge class, we've mentioned athletes that are starting to kind of put it all together this season. And you, and you need to see that before mm-hmm. you want to feel comfortable drafting that guy. But I want to pivot this conversation about Cincinnati to how Mike feels about when Zach Wilson and BYU gets put as the fourth team in the playoff <laughs> when they're both undefeated. How is that going to make you feel, Quinn? I mean, it's like I kind of – I mean, I hate to like say it out loud like on the record now, but like I, I kind of have like just resigned myself <laughs> to the fact – like it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> Cincinnati is far and away, in my opinion, the better football team than BYU. BYU has a good offensive line, great quarterback. If he went up against the Cincinnati defense, Cincinnati and Desmond Ritter would like, I think they would still roll him. Like this is a a very good football team in my eyes. Haven't watched them 
weekly. You just brought the entire city of Cincinnati to their feet because they feel cheated. Everyone, Quinn feels cheated. Everyone I talk to from Cincinnati feels cheated in the fact that BYU is getting more hype than Cincinnati. Yeah, this is a damn good football team. But who do you think that? Yeah, Zach Wilson's going. But I also that's why they're trying to make Desmond Ritter a thing, though, is Mm -hmm. because you need the name brand. You do. He, like that defense not gonna I be like Desmond brand. Ritter he's a fun player yeah he's fun to watch but he's fun not, to watch he's like, trash <laughs> fun, fun fact my aunt actually taught him at St. X oh wow him. yeah look at you so Ritter your, went to St. X nice Ritter he went did. to St. X uh, I've mentioned this fact multiple times but apparently he talks really good trash which I feel like mm-hmm. is is a big for a quarterback position before we jump off the raise a glass segment and before we jump off the group of five altogether, I got to bring this guy up. I can't believe we didn't add him to the, you know, the, the podcast breakdown here. Zayvon Collins, oh, the yeah, Tulsa yeah. linebacker, whereas number 23, I talk about, you know, you turn on a group of five tape, you want to see the player instantly. Holy shit. This guy is huge. He's like six foot five, 260. Yeah. I, that's another one where you immediately jump. How did this guy end up at Tulsa? How did this guy end up at Tulsa? You go in, he's a former three-star recruit. He's from a small town, Hominy, Oklahoma. Can you guess how many people live in this town? You asked me this before the show, so I can. It's probably 3,200. It's 3,400. You remember poorly. <laughs> he lives, he's from a town of 3,400. He played quarterback and safety for his high school football team of like, and the high school probably had like 100 people or whatever. 50 touchdowns over like 6,000 yards, had like over 100 tackles, four picks at this high school, was recruited by no one, eventually got an offer from Tulsa, and is now like really, really dominant. This is another guy that has legitimate size. He's a hoss, man. I, I, I like Zayvon Collins moving up boards right now. Yeah, so he's 6'4, 260, and he has. A 92.6 coverage grade. Like, he can fly, this yes. guy. Uh, you watch his tape, and it's, like, similar to kind of what I said about Kyle Duggar, where it's just his wingspan combined with his explosiveness, he just engulfs dudes. Like, it's, guys do, guys go backwards. Like, I, he, he does not – I don't have the stat for how many yards after contact per attempt when he's the guy that touches you, but, like, it's, like, zero. It's maybe <laughs> negative. Like, he, he guys go backwards when he hits you. He is just – this guy's a freak, and, like – this linebacker class, pretty good class. He could eventually, I could see teams, Patriots, teams that are going to blitz their off-ball linebackers mm-hmm. a lot, seeing this guy as a possible first-rounder at this point. My take, too, is he, um, he's just like the best player on the field. You, you turn Every it on, time. and he's like the best player on the field. Oh, my God, he's the best player on the field. And the other thing, too, I watched his uh, high school tape before he got on the podcast. Dude's playing QB. He's got a cannon. <laughs> he was firing it in there. His entire offensive line is like, Five inches shorter and like a hundred fewer pounds than him, but he's like just back there slinging it for uh, Hominy, Oklahoma, or wherever high school he did play for. A fun player, absolutely insane to watch. Not fun to watch, insane to watch because he really does stand out on tape. All right, before we jump to the biggest risers and followers on the uh, on followers on the big UC board. got lucky not to face Tulsa, or they got the makeup game now mm-hmm. coming in, in December. It'll be so interesting it'll be to go and watch. We'll get to see a little Zayvon Collins, little Desmond Ritter, James Wiggins if he's healthy. MyJ Sanders. Uh, blackout segment this week. Give it to me. This guy. Oh, man. He's had a blackout year. This guy's been on a bender, <laughs> shall we say. Shane Lemieux, guard for the Giants. Uh, now, sh- fifth rounder. Should not have been, should not be forced in the starting lineup. Was three straight weeks now. His pass blocking grade. His first start was 12.1. Got a little better to a 20.8. And then. Then had a little hiccup this past weekend against the Eagles to a 14.2, which gives him a 9.8 pass blocking grade for the season now in three starts for Shane. Oh, Miguel. my God. Seven pressures this past week against the Eagles. Fletcher Cox and company, give it to him. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, he just – I'm not one to write anyone off, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone go from this bad a start to their career to ever being like a serviceable player in the NFL. Like that's about as bad as I've seen 
All righty then. Let's take a short break before we jump into the second year, or no, uh, let's take a short break before we jump into the biggest risers and fallers in the 2021 NFL Draft Board. <sighs> Two for One Drafts is brought to you by pristineauction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Signed helmets, balls, jerseys, and much more. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. Moose Fit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your Moose Fit membership and a Moose Fit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your Moose Fit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach, reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co. Not com, co. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, we're back. Biggest risers and followers on the 2021 NFL Draft Board. You dropped this on PFF.com, I think, a week ago or maybe even two weeks ago. A few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. Let's start Draft Board's with, always in flux. It's so always in flux. It's, it's always, constantly moving. Yeah. Constantly. Let's start with your Until, biggest risers here. Biggest risers in the Draft Board. No one has risen bigger this season than Zach Wilson of BYU. I mean, how could he? How could anyone rise higher than this guy? He has been like a legitimate rocket ship. Yeah, uh, it's kind of unbelievable. So last season, 72.5 passing grade uh, was on like had a big freshman year. Don't that's not super indicative of who he was. Big freshman year, 78.8 pass passing grade that season when he started injuries last year, down year this year, back in a big, big way. Not a like not a single like blip on the radar even to speak of has just been excellent game in. Game out, lowest graded game, a seventy five point four against Houston. Uh, this guy's, uh, and and then you go to like the the tr- the tools aspect of it, where he obviously the accuracy, but arm strength on the move, like he has a quick release. He has that modern sort of release where he doesn't need to be, doesn't need to have his feet under him. He can throw it from any platform, any angle, and get it to where it needs to go. And I think that's. That's a tool or trait or whatever the hell you want to call it that I think is more valuable today than pretty much at any point in NFL history. Firmly QB three right now, right? Trey yeah. Lance is not not yes. to overtake him. He doesn't have an opportunity to do so. Like it's not gonna yeah. be at the combine, it's not gonna be at one of the all star games. Like Zach Wilson QB three. Do you think he ends up going in the top five? And I think he ends up QB three in the actual draft. I just can't see how you see one game of a guy in Trey Lance in the last it's gonna be what, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's gonna go to some showcase or have an extended pro day or whatever he has to 
prove himself. But you see one game of a guy and he goes, what, 14 to 29? And you're, you're going to take him over Zach Wilson. I, I just I think that's a tough sell when Wilson's playing as well as he is. And it's, it's again, haggling over high-end traits. Like mm-hmm. Wilson has like more than enough to become whatever he wants to become in the NFL. Like that, You can become the best quarterback in the NFL with his level of arm strength, accuracy, and mobility. That's just like he's, it's good enough. So I, I don't think at that point you'd need to go chasing a guy like Trey Lance. Kyle Pitts is another even though I'm still a fan of Trey Lance. Yeah, I can yeah. like hate on Trey Lance that much. Mm-hmm. Still a top ten. I'd still take him in the top ten. Kyle Pitts, another massive mover up boards here. I mean, he started the season insane. Like people were like, he's got seven touchdowns in six quarters. People were just like stoked on yeah. Kyle Pitts. And all for the good reason. I mean, if you want a tight end in the NFL right now, I, I it's gotta be a Kyle Pitts type. A guy yes. that can run it out wide, run it from the slot. He can do anything you want at the position, actually separate on a realistic vertical route tree that receivers run. He is the, you know, modern tight end that teams need. He has a ninety five point three receiving grade on the season, which is just absolutely absurd. Because he's also good he's in addition to being able to create separation. Two nine yards per route. Just again, creating separation, yards after the catch, but his contested catchability is good too. Like yeah. he has good size, and good yeah. hands, good body control for the position. Like you're, you, I just don't have a lot of cons with him. Yeah, he's just basically a massive, massive wide receiver at this point. And I think his blocking's gotten a little better, so we'll see. There you go. Quiddy Pay, Michigan edge defender, has obviously blown up We've this offseason. We've yeah. talked about him a ton. What about Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa? Joker, oh. baby, for Notre Dame. He has been. Another guy that's played really well. He's played in slot. He's played an off-ball linebacker. He's played some safety. He has been really, really good for Notre Dame's defense. The fastest defense in the NFL, as you've said multiple times. Yeah. Not the NFL, college football. College football, they're, they fucking fly around the ball. Him, Kyle <laughs> Hamilton, elite, top-tier, blue-chip prospects. Now, yeah, Karamoa had some hiccups last year. He was kind of all – he's a guy who is, when he sees it, he's going to go for it, like that play against Clemson when he said he just knew what that run was going to be, and he went for it. He had a lot of those last year in 2019 where he was not reading it right, where he was guessing yeah. the wrong play and was you know going for it and getting exposed. That's basically gone this year. You've seen him take a massive, massive next step. And his level of athleticism this past week again, uh, I believe it was like a, another seam route against a slot wide receiver has a pass breakup. Yeah, he had like a step or two of separation on him, but like that's a linebacker getting a pass breakup on a wide receiver down the football field. That just doesn't happen a lot at any level, especially college. So, yeah, he's a special dude. I'm going to throw Mike Jones Jr., the Clemson linebacker, in with Jeremiah Wusikarmo. Linebacker. Similar players. Yeah, <laughs> six foot 220. They're both about the same size. He didn't play much 2019. They had that uh, Tanner Muse, Isaiah Simmons. They had that safety rotation there. Also, K- K- Kayvon Wallace. So he's behind them, comes in now, and has been excellent for them. A very similar player. I think they missed him. I don't want to say more than Trevor Lawrence, but they missed him a lot in that Notre Dame game because uh, he was out with, I forget what injury it was, but he is a very versatile NFL body type at the linebacker position and is very uh, explosive player in his own right. So I think he's very much impressed me. And I think he's not a first-rounder, but I think he's a day-two type of linebacker at this point. Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle for Virginia Tech, one of the highest graded oh, players man, in all of college guy. football, has been absolutely outstanding this year, specifically in pass protection. Also owns one of the best last names, I'd say, in college football. Derisaw is cool like, dude, 
that's yeah. that's a really sweet name. Like it seems it sounds like a the last name of like a the main character in like an army video game that ends up like saving you in the end. I don't freaking yeah. know. I'm trying to get there though. You he, get what I'm saying? He should just go by Darisaw. Yeah, he like probably one, does. One I don't name. think anyone calls him Chris. Okay, yeah. is it Darisaw or it's nothing? Yeah, Darisaw is sweet, and he's also not allowed to pressure in his last four games. Like that's he is insane. Very good. Uh, I would not surprise me if he ends up as OT too because it's really not much like. It's not a lot of knocks on this tape this season. Mm-hmm. You know, he has, again, that complete skill set that you want to see from a tackle you draft in top 10 to 15. So he might be behind, might be the OT2 behind Sewell. Man, that is high praise. Cause I mean, this yeah. isn't a bad offensive tackle class. Like, you got yeah. Liam Eikenberg, Brady Christensen um, for BYU. Like, there's some guys that are playing well right now at offensive tackle. I mean, hell, Elijah Vera Tucker, we talked yeah. about a little bit. He might play guard at the next level, but he's also playing well at tackle. That's, a, that's interesting. Brenton Cox Jr., Florida edge defender. The transfer from Georgia, who has some juice off the edge, really sweet spin. His best plays this year have been spin Spins, moves, yeah. and his spin moves are sick. And you, we've had this conversation before. Spin moves are a good telltale sign of like athleticism, juice, quickness. Brian Burns has a really good spin yeah. move. Other really good athletes in the NFL have uh, good spin moves. But um, Brandon Cox Jr., another riser. Yeah, he's a little bit on our size, but like if you're in the 250 range and his level of explosiveness, that's not understand. that's the that's number fine. you need. That's yeah, that's. That's completely fine in my book. Uh, obviously, only 319 snaps this year, still early on, and we only saw him as a freshman, 2018, transfer, whatever, 2019. 25 pressures through six games so far this season. To me, I like him more than Aziz Ojolari, who's getting a lot of hype for Georgia, who's a riser in his own right this season. But Brent Cox Jr., I think, uh, just a little bit more of a fan of the way he rushes the pass. I think he has a little the bit The way more. he wins. Yeah. So talk about a lot. We talk about the way and we'll, see, we'll under- see if his red off field red flags get vetted though. And if he comes out this year. Oh, wait, there's some off field red flags with Brent well, Cox. I mean, he, he had a, a marijuana possession at mm. Georgia and then got kicked off the team. So. Okay. Interesting. For undisclosed reasons. I didn't know about that. We'll have to dive into the backgrounds. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know, I do all the background stuff for the NFL draft guide. So I dive in and double check these guys, make sure what do we got. That's how I found out the Zayvon Collins stuff, diving into his yeah. background. He's got an absolute absurd story. I'd love to talk to him, get him on the podcast eventually. Two more names we'll mention as risers and then we'll drop a couple fallers as well. But Javante Williams, the North Carolina running back. Whew. He is missing tackles or forcing his tackles yeah. at an absurd rate. Him and the other running back there, Michael Carter at UNC, both these guys are playing really, really good football. He looks so much more explosive this year. That guy, he spent his quarantine in the weight room. Mm. This dude, Javante Same. Williams, 5'10", 220. Yeah, who didn't? Exactly. 95.1 rushing grades so far this season. Listen to this number. 120 carries, 62 broken tackles. Stop. That's a typo. Six, over a half. Like He's going <laughs> to shatter. The PFF record this past week, nine broken tackles on 13 carries. He is just. He I thought like Etienne was going to have that record together. for a while or the or the I Georgia know. Tech kid from a couple of years ago like that. That's absurd. Javante Williams looks like I mean, after Etienne, he looks maybe like second best running back in the country right now, man. Big. All right. Last guy I'll mention here is the North Texas receiver that we're hearing some rumblings. The NFL is interested in this kid, Jalen Darden. Uh, the wide receiver. He's got they some juice, be. man. I I, yeah. I like him. I, I his tape is is very very good. Yes. So he's, in my opinion, this year's version of Darnell Mooney. Six hundred eighty nine yards in only five games. Two hundred yards his last two games. He's just very shifty, but also has speed. Like I I think he is. Like I said, Darnell Mooney esque in that. Yeah, he's small, but if you can't touch him, like that size 
disadvantage doesn't really mm-hmm. matter that much in the NFL. You should have waved your Darnell Mooney flag higher because you were big on him. You were high no. on him. You highlight him as a sleeper, I think, in a couple articles, but did, you weren't like putting a stamp on him by any means. But Mooney has looked really good for Chicago, can actually win on the outside. Yeah. That That's the test as a small receiver. You talk about like, if you can't touch him. If yeah. you can win on the outside, beat press as an outside receiver, I don't care how small you are. Like You can win in the NFL as a receiver. All right, well, that's going to do it for the two foreign drafts. Uh, Monday episode here. It was great to have Quinn involved. Always good to talk a little uh, first date stories, too, at the top, getting in the biggest risers. It's getting close to draft season, man. It is going to be draft season. We move up to like three podcasts a week in draft season. If there's a senior bowl, we'll be there. If there's a combine, we'll be there. Will we? I don't know yeah, if we will. Or, to that, I, it, we'll see. We'll see if we'll make the play. It depends. Well, I mean, the, will they let us? Will they let I'm us is, a, is, is probably a better situation. But we'll probably up to three podcasts a week here, probably in January, and, and start getting really into draft season. So a lot of fun stuff. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Keep food on the table for Mike Quinn and myself. Until next time, Asagale, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Drafts.